It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to start the show out with a fascinating development coming out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Just moments ago, I opened up an article from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. They published it on their website uh, again just moments ago. The headline reads this way. Minnesota Attorney General to charge Derek Chauvin with second-degree murder. Add charges for three other police officers. You get that? That officer, former Officer Chauvin, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, he is the officer shown in the video with his knee on the neck of the late George Floyd. He had been, on his own, uh, charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. And now the report from the Minneapolis Star Tribune is that the Attorney General for the state of Minnesota has both taken over the case, did so on Sunday, and has now elevated the charges of the man pictured in the video with his knee on the neck of George Floyd and also charged the three other officers uh, who were at the scene. Those charges are of aiding and abetting murder. The three other officers at the scene Uh, according to multiple law enforcement sources familiar with the case, as reported by the Minneapolis Star Tribune, is that those three officers will be charged with aiding and abetting murder. Ellison is expected to provide an update today, this afternoon, on the state's investigation into the Floyd case. Uh, And according to uh, sources, this, again, published in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, former officer Derek Chauvin uh, will be now charged with second-degree murder. Absolutely fascinating developments. We'll continue to follow this throughout the day, and if uh, the Attorney General from Minnesota uh, does in fact take to the microphone, we will bring those comments to you here on KSL News Radio. I had intended on starting today's program thusly. I wanted to say uh, to you, to everyone listening, and to remind myself we are lucky. You and I are lucky to be Utahns. We are blessed to live in this state, which is able to, in the face of great adversity, almost always uh, rise triumphant. What do I mean? Well, you and I have endured a a number of things over the past few months. We have faced down a pandemic. We, on Saturday and over the course of the last week, uh, we have seen protests and riots and violence make their way through the streets of cities around this country. And on Saturday, we here in Salt Lake City, we learned that we weren't immune from that. We did see some violence in the streets. We saw cars overturned. We saw them burned. And then we took a break. And then on Monday, on Monday, we saw what those Utahns, looking to exercise their First Amendment rights, are really made of. They are made of peace and understanding and cooperation and passion. We've also seen that over the past number of months how Utah has responded to this coronavirus pandemic. And on both fronts, on the protests that have made their way through American cities and on the pandemic, 
the response to the pandemic here in Utah. We have done very well. So well, in fact, so well, in fact, in terms of numbers and arrests and damage to property and such. I don't mean to excuse any of the illegal behavior which has taken place during these protests. But if you measure things that way, we're doing quite well compared to some of our sister cities around the country. And on the coronavirus front, we have, per capita, a death rate that is lower than most parts of the country, parts of the world. And in terms of testing, we have one of the highest per capita testing rates of anywhere else in the world. And in the face of that, I want to point out two things to help us remember that we here in the state of Utah are not only are not only uniquely prepared and qualified to take care of adversity when we face it, but we are also in the face of that same adversity well positioned and prepared to export our expertise. We heard story after story of nurses hopping on airplanes and flying out to New York City. Utah nurses flying to New York City to aid in that city's battle against the coronavirus. They came home and talked about how well they were received and how good it felt to be able to lend a hand to those in need outside of our state's borders. Right now, as you and I sit here speaking, I am aware of many, many members of the Utah Army National Guard who themselves have left the state of Utah to fly to Washington, D.C. and to aid in the cleanup left behind by the protesters who would vandalize America's monuments, those in our nation's capital. We do very well taking care of ourselves here, so well that we have extra to share with others. And if you get down, if you get discouraged, as I'll admit I have been feeling over the past number of weeks, remember that we do live in a special place. And what makes this special place is not just what's done by others, uh, but it's what's done by you. You participate in the greatness of this state. Another example of this greatness and of our state's ability to respond to the adversity which faces it is something which took place uh, just yesterday afternoon. If you remember, I had a conversation on this very radio program with a gentleman named Kamal Ahmad. He's a, a local educator and a resident of Salt Lake City, and he gained some fame on Saturday afternoon as he was walking away from the what turned into violent protests in Salt Lake City near the library in Washington Square. He walked away shaking his head saying, this is not right. This is not right. We don't disrespect law enforcement and we should not disrespect the name of George Floyd by behaving in this fashion. And he referenced the violence. He referenced the bottles being hurled at police. He referenced the looting. Well, he and others at the invitation of Salt Lake City Police Chief Brown gathered together yesterday and they talked about uh, a policy. They talked about uh, what might be done differently by the police department or how the police department may be able to explain itself to members of the, the community. Yesterday, the police department was joined by Mayor Aaron Mendenhall and various leaders from the community to conduct policy review panels and listening sessions. Those panel members reviewed policies regarding use of force, internal investigation, body-worn cameras, and various conduct standards. 
and the intent was to offer a forum for discussion and feedback directly from the community to Chief Mike Brown. We have heard much from Chief Brown since Saturday night. We've known him for some, for some time now, but we saw him really tested. <clears throat> we saw his department tested. And in my estimation, this session, which he assembled yesterday to hear from members of the community like Mayor Mendenhall, like Mr. Hodges, the chaplain for the Utah Jazz, like Janetta Williams, president of the NAACP, Dr. Davis, pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church, Representative Sandra Hollins, Ron McBride, former coach of the University of Utah football team, and Kamal Ahmad, former coach the Weber State University football team, a local educator and a resident of Salt Lake City who gained some fame on Twitter over the weekend as he walked away shaking his head, disappointed at the behavior of those who turned a peaceful protest into a violent event. Well, in the segment upcoming, we'll be speaking with Mr. Kamal Ahmad. We spoke to him yesterday as he was heading into this meeting. I am so looking forward to his estimation of how things went during the meeting when he met with Chief Brown. Chief Brown, in the midst of that meeting, he said this to those gathered. I just want to just tell each of you in this room that I love you, that I appreciate the influence you've had in my life personally. Representative Sandra Hollins, uh, following the meeting, had this to say. The police and the city listening to our stories and our experiences in the community. And for me, it was being able to get information so that as I am interacting with those individuals in our community who are frustrated and anger, um, that I can have that productive conversation with them. Kamal Ahmad, another attendee to that listening session hosted by Salt Lake City Police Department Chief Mike Brown will be my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. That story you heard mentioned by Maria Chaleos about the state's potential transition to smart green meaning that we would relax even further the risk level we are experiencing regarding the coronavirus. I've got some details on that I'm going to share with you later on in the program, just after 2 o'clock. I'd also like to point out that we on the program will again be welcoming Dr. Angela Dunn, state epidemiologist. She will be offering a situational update just after 1.30. We will bring that to you live here on these airwaves and any of the details relating to this transition to smart green. Uh, now, that word smart is interesting. Thus far, it has been, uh, what, it's been uh, orange and yellow and green was our understanding to be our, our next step. Uh, but smart green, we'll get an explanation as to exactly what that means later on. But right now, I'm so excited to uh, be joined again on this radio program uh, by Kamal Ahmad, a local educator, a resident of Salt Lake City, and a guest uh, on our program just yesterday. Uh, Mr. Ahmad, sir, how are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I have to tell you, I have been hosting this program here for uh, not too long. I've hosted about 100 episodes or so, 120 in fact today, and I have had a number of guests on the program, and I have received much feedback over these uh, few short months, but uh, I don't think I received more feedback uh, at any time prior to your appearance yesterday. People who heard you speak, sir, on both sides of this issue, those who are feeling frustrated, who want their voices heard, who feel that there is injustice, legitimate injustice, uh, they spoke and said, uh, that man uh, speaks for me, as well as those who are on the side supporting law enforcement. Uh, they wrote in and called in and texted me and said, that man, who is he? Uh, he, he, he speaks uh, truth. And he is someone who I admire, and he is someone with a good rational head on his shoulders. And one thing, sir, that you taught me is that this debate doesn't necessarily need to be two-sided. You can be a supporter of law enforcement, and you can feel that legitimate change must be brought about. And so I'd like to thank you uh, and let you know that there were a number of people who reached out to me, uh, likewise thanking you for your words and your actions. And, uh, and so just know that there, there are some people standing behind you. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, that's, uh, those are some very uh, powerful and kind uh, words that you just said. Uh, that means a lot. Thank you. Well, no, thank you. As, as you and I were speaking yesterday, you were heading into a meeting being hosted by the chief of police here in Salt Lake City, Chief Brown. Uh, what was the point of that meeting? To go over um, just what exactly the police department, just what the routine is on, say, a typical stop, or if they have an issue to where they have to um, actually put hands on somebody, restrain somebody, just the different levels of escalation mm. and how that works. And it was, my goodness, it was so informative. Um, Chief Brown is so transparent. His staff is so transparent. Um, but as soon as I walked in, I mean, you had many of the leading African-American figures within our state in there. And I'm saying including Coach Ron McBride. Uh, some say he's not African-American, but I'll truly argue with him on that one. Um, <laughs> but Coach Ron McBride was there, too, just in the middle of it. Everyone's talking, and it was just very obvious that there has always been a continuous dialogue, or there has been for a long time a continuous dialogue between the law enforcement and the African-American community. Uh, Chief Brown, the, on Monday evening, I heard him speaking on KSL television. He talked about these periodic meetings that he has hosted between various members of numerous communities. Uh, and, and you say that it was apparent that, that, that the line of discussion and that the dialogue between uh, the African-American community and Chief Brown is longstanding. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was one, for instance, there was one uh, a very influential figure in there, and he was like, hey, Mike, when are we going out to breakfast again? Man? <laughs> hey, you know, you know, talking about what they're eating on the next menu. And, I mean, you can just tell, like, they, they've, it's a very friendly relationship between us, and um, that has to do with the leadership between both the African-American community and our law enforcement. Um, we both have the same goals, and just because, other communities and other cities have bad relationships. We understand we're not them. Yeah. It's not us. And our relationship is great, and we're going to keep it that way. You talked about that yesterday when you and I were speaking. You, you talked about how 
the the relationship and the the instances of uh, abuses are are next to nil here in the state of Utah, specifically in our law enforcement community. And yet we still have so many folks Saturday in particular uh, who are taking to the streets and uh, taking a, essentially an antagonistic attitude towards law enforcement. Do you think that if those individuals knew uh, or believed what you know and believe, sir, that they'd be acting differently? Yes, I believe that. I mean, for one, I think there is a reason to be upset about what's going on nationwide. I mean, a, a man was murdered right before our eyes. I mean, our, we saw it. Unfortunately, many children have seen that video clip. That's mm-hmm. disturbing. So many people should be this should be upset, should be hurt, should be mad, um, and should question. Is that even a common practice within law enforcement? Which is something we learned yesterday with Chief Brown. You know, we do you know Salt Lake City banned that practice of an officer being able to have their knee on someone's neck like that. Salt Lake City banned that from their practice seven years ago. Seven years ago. That's why we say we are ahead of the ball game. That's why we say we have the best police department in the country. That's why we say our police department is the model for the country. We're not saying they're perfect. We're not saying they don't have issues. But we are saying this. Bring an issue to them and see if they don't work like crazy to get that issue resolved. From yeah, any I- community, from any person. Like, just, just see. And that's what we love about them. They're transparent. Like, they're phenomenal. They're training. They, they are just well-trained. Like, even last Saturday, if, 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 if you just look at the video clips, like I was there firsthand. I watched them. I'm, I'm a you know, ex-college football coach, so, you know, uh, ex-basketball coach. And, and, you know, you're taught on structure. You're taught on rhythm. You're taught on repetition, repetition, repetition to get something right. Hmm. When that riot happened and those – those those people who did not have good intentions were trying to harm them. They didn't retaliate. They were well-trained. They held their ground well-trained. They, they didn't riot back. Because if that were me, oh, man, I don't know <laughs> if I could have kept my cool like that. Hey, I applaud those people. I mean, it. my goodness, it was amazing. That aspect was the only positive to me in that situation. Mm. The only positive was the way our police our law enforcement responded. My goodness, it, it was it was oh, it was good. Oh my goodness, they were they were on top of. It. And, and again, it has to it, with with coordination with our mayor Mendenhall of the stand down order, with leadership from from uh, police chief uh, Mike Brown. Um, it's a team effort. It's not just one person. As you see, it's a team effort that makes us so special here. So. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Ahmad, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to speaking to you again. You are able to present these issues and your observations in a clear and compelling way, and I think it does a lot of good. There is this notion that you can be both a supporter of law enforcement, a respecter of law enforcement, while at the same time uh, being one who holds maybe some legitimate, legitimate frustrations and even anger, and you can express that anger while at the same time uh, supporting law enforcement. I, I, I am real appreciative of, of you uh, voicing that and for your time here on this program. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks. All righty. Kamal Ahmad, local educator, resident of Salt Lake City. You may have seen him on Twitter Saturday evening as he walked away from the uh, the protests, the violence that took place on the streets of Salt Lake City, and uh, he just shook his head in dismay. 
and said that the violence and the graffiti and the vandalism was not reflective of those uh, who truly would like to see change. Uh, I'm very grateful to him. Look forward, as I said, to speaking to him again in the future. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be speaking to a representative from the Libertas Institute, specifically a criminal justice policy analyst. That organization has a list of 10 suggestions they'd like to see enacted on police reform. That's after the break. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, and you're listening to KSL News Radio.